With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Ronson, drawn by Ashley Priest, live from Selhurst Park, blah de blah, blah. Uh, Aston Villa lost again to Crystal Palace 3 1. Another podcast that I don't really want to be doing, to be honest. I've felt exactly the same way as I did after the Bournemouth game on the first day. Um, and all the positivity of Everton last week is, is drained from my eyes, They're drained from my face. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know what this podcast is going to be, to be honest. I don't know, I don't know where we're going to take it. We'll have Ash yourself here for the next 15 minutes or so, and then I'm going to switch you out for John Towney as well to get a third perspective on things, just to kind yep. of keep it fresh a little bit. Yep. Um, I'll caveat it in the same way that I did uh, a few weeks ago that I only saw the first half. I saw bits of the second. Um, I've seen the goals. I've not seen a handball, but from what I've heard from elsewhere, that was very harsh and I don't think it should have been a penalty. No. Um, but I, I will caveat with I've not seen it properly, but it feels like, again, abject, poor, pathetic. These are some of the words that are coming in from from the comments live on Facebook. Out of his depth, had enough of Gerard. depressing. Um, yeah, I said after the Bournemouth game, he, he was on thin ice, I think, and it feels like the, the the degrees have gone up a little bit more, and that thin ice has got slightly thinner. Um, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I think. Yeah, I'm kind of just composing my thoughts as we go through this podcast, and I've spoken for a minute and a half yet. So, Ash, I'll let you come in now. Uh, yes. Your just your before we get into the game itself and the press and all those kind of things, just your general um, feeling on on what you've seen from Villa in, the, in these first three games, actually. Well, I'm surrounded by people collecting rubbish. There's rubbish everywhere around me. Villa were rubbish today. <laughs> rubbish for large parts of that one. Um, yeah, they got sucked into the Zaha the, the, stuff as well. Zaha bullied Villa down that one side. Good start from Villa, as we know. Great goal. Good, well-worked goal. And you're thinking, OK, we're looking looking pretty good here. Sharp start. And then you can see within seconds again. Conceding far too quickly. And then the crowd are up and Villa are having big wobbles. But uh, very disappointed. Uh, only three games in, but... As Gerard just told me then, I said, how are you feeling? He says, the exact same as I felt after Bournemouth as well. Allowing the home home crowd to get on top, yeah, and Villa, Villa Wilton. Um, not, enough, not enough leaders on the pitch again. No one wants to take the game by the scruff of the neck. OK, that Luca Dean moment was, was was pretty big moment in the game, 1-1. Um, that, that turned it a little bit. But Villa, the, the, the result for Villa 3-1, I think that, that was the fair, fair reflection on it. It could have been more if not, if not for Martinez. So, very dis- disappointing. Uh, fans are right to be angered by that, what they've seen there, uh, giving all the talk again. So, yeah, we're not very good and, like you say, rubbish. Yes, yeah, it's, it's what I said to you in the in the pre-show, pretty much show that we did about the, the expectation on Villa the season has come from within the club. It's come from Perslow and Co. Of, you know, we're going to push for European football. We want to be top six. We want to be top ten. And then we've lost two out of three. 
it's kind of scraped past Everton. I thought we were okay, but Everton didn't really offer anything and we deserved no. to win, but you know, we didn't exactly blow them away. And then it's, you know, kind of one step forward, two steps back with, you know, we kind of caveat it with, with Crystal Palace is a hard place to go and all these different things. They've got a good atmosphere. They've got a good squad there. But Palace are kind of like the benchmark of where we want to be. I'm almost, I'm almost jealous of Crystal Palace. That's how far, how far we've fallen over, over recent years that I'm looking at Crystal Palace and thinking, I wish that was us. Um, but that, that's an opportunity to show where we are. They finished above us. You know, if we can kind of beat Crystal Palace today, I know that's one result in isolation, but shows that we've taken a step forward against a difficult place uh, and take it from there. Bournemouth on the open day, it's a promoted side. It's a banana scheme. We've been through that. Everton at home, we, we got through in the three points was king. That's that's the main thing, really. They'll, they will struggle. But then you go there today and this should have been a, a platform to try and do something and put a bit of momentum together because you look at the next few fixtures of West Ham, Man City and Arsenal. Yeah. We could be on three points after six games. I mean, football's not as easy as to judge that. You can get results anywhere, of course you can, but Arsenal look on fire, Man City and Man City and West Ham haven't started the greatest either, but you know, I still think their squad's better than ours and finished seventh last year. So if we're on three points after six games... You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be Gerard out. Uh, he's too early. I think. I know people will say we've won three games in fourteen or whatever it is. Um, you, you ask for the for the, for the bin men are very loud in Crystal Palace. Um, I don't want to be Gerard out. Uh, it's just too early. People will say about three wins in thirteen and all these kind of things. But I've, I've only got to judge it on this season for my own sanity. But it's two losses from three, and and that's bad. That's poor. Um, players don't seem good enough. System doesn't look right to me. Midfield still looks light. Um, tactically, yeah, I, I get it. Gerald isn't doing it for me just yet. But you know, like I said, I'll say what we said after Bournemouth about not writing the season off after one game. I'm still not going to write it off after three games. Um, when we're talking about European football or even top 10 at this point. So, uh, even, you know, that, that's silly uh, as it stands now. But, you know, you look at Arsenal last season, they lost the first three. You look at them this season, they're a totally different outfit. So, you know, that's kind of back in Gerard, I guess, in the sense that it can be turned around and you, you can still get out of it. And Newcastle from last season as well, them as a club, though, they did, they did make the change managerially and got Eddie Howe in and he did change things. But they went... 10, 11, 12 games without a win last season and managed to turn it around and finish above Villa. So just because Villa have started poorly in these first three doesn't mean that we won't go on to have a half-decent season still. I've still got that kind of, kind of blind positivity in the back of my mind somewhere. But I'm kind of glad we're doing this at half six rather than 10 to five because I was angry earlier. I've kind of settled down a little bit since then. Still disappointed, still, um, I can't really swear, but hacked off, I guess, if you Think of what else I could put in there, um, but yeah, it's just it's just disappointing. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know what we are at the moment. I don't know what we're trying to do. I don't know what the system is. Um, I don't know what the tactics are. I don't know who our best players are. And then since the game, which feels like very convenient timing, if nothing else, the the Ismaili Assar reports from France that we've had a verbal agreement with him. Oh yeah, another winger. Well, we don't play wingers. Now, I don't really look at our forward options and think Buendia, Bailey, Coutinho, Watkins, Ings, Archer, and we need another forward. But yeah, it'd be nice. He's a good signing if, if it does happen. Uh, we need a bit of a spark up there, some pace. I like it. I get it. It would be a good signing. Where's the midfield links? Where's the new centre-half? It's the midfield's the problem. Overrun again. And it, is, it is disheartening, I think. That's the, the main takeaway for me. Yeah, we're miles off it, aren't we? We're miles off where we thought we would be at this stage. Uh, so early in the season. We, we could quite comfortably be on nine points. 
Yeah. If we'd, if we'd have won the first two games, you'd go into today with momentum and you, you could nick something away at Palace. And yeah. You could be on six, seven, nine points and we're on through. And now we've got the, th- you know, it was an easy start to the season. Now we've got three tough games coming up and even Bolton in the cup. I know it's League One, but imagine if we lose that. That's that's pressure now to, to go and win that game and, and have a good performance, score some goals, and that will maybe bring a little bit of confidence back. But if we lose on Tuesday against Bolton, Sky cameras are down not going to be well. a happy place. No, no, yeah, I think we're miles off it. I think Dan, like you say, the, the team's very much the same as last season. We've said it before, and only Kamara was a difference again today. And yeah, we haven't got enough for where all the talk's been. European, this top seven, top eight, challenging. Then we need another reality check um, mm. on that again. That's provided us with it today. Could be a sobering few weeks as well. Your West Ham's and your, your Arsenal's and Man City's coming up, like we've just said. So, so yeah, the Ismail Asar report's coming in very timely, that isn't it, after a defeat? Um, very timely, yeah. Uh, I don't know where to begin, mate. It's just same old, same old stuff. Mirrors how I felt after Bournemouth as well. Um, Way, way short of, of where we were all expecting to be so far. So, yeah, no, no real positives today at all. Good good first five minutes, that's all I can say. And Gerard afterwards, blame the big moments of going against Villa. Um, but yeah, no, I don't really like that either, to be honest. No, the, the, the talk about that, the, yeah. the, the Luca Dean handball being a big moment for turning point. We had a, they had a goal ruled out for offside, which probably shouldn't have been. So that would have been 2-1 exactly. anyway. So that was a big moment that went our way. Um to try and not be positive, but you know we go one 0 up against against them with Watkins. It's good to get him off the mark. I know it's ultimately meaningless now, but good for him to get off the mark in the first few minutes. And you can see straight away, which sets the tone again. Um, sticking it for a bit, but Palace by far the better team. Then they have that goal ruled out for offside, and that's that should be the turning point. That should be the big moment that we're talking about after to go. We got away with one there really, and we stuck it to him in the second half and come away with at least a point because you know we've kind of been handed. Handed a, another lifeline. Yeah, the Dean handball. I've not seen it, but it sounds like he's tried to head it away. I think and it's hit his arm on the way through. And yeah, I think the rules say that that's technically handball, but it's not intentional. There's no advantage gained. So I don't believe that should be handball. But Martinez saves it. <laughs> he scores the rebound. So even that feels peak Villa as well. If you just look at those few things. We do go ahead. We get back into it with VAR. We save the penalty and they score the rebound. But there is, there is, should still be moments there that you think maybe there is something to cling on to. And we'll, we'll, you know, really put pedal to the metal in the last fifteen minutes or so and fight our way back through. You said the pre-match in the video that you sent me that Villa needed character and grit to get anything today, and they no neither. It. And we got no zero points it. for it. Yeah, when your captain's coming off because he was close to getting red carded, not really a good look, is it? Really, either he lost his head again in there. Uh, not very good look at all. And Villa didn't threaten in the second half, Dan, other than Leon Bailey cutting in, whacking the bar with, with, with the a, bar, yeah. a fine individual effort. Other than that, Palace's keeper, got out his slippers and cigar out, nothing come his way at all. Uh, yeah, very, Palace breeze past Villa today. Very alarming the way they did that. And uh, yeah, he took it on your Coutinho's after, didn't do anything at all. Danny Ings changing the system again, tweaking things. Yeah, more questions than answers at the moment. Where, what, what are we? Where are we striving to be? Um, I think I'm going to be in for a busy next 10 days, transfer wise. Dan, I, think, I really think so. Gerard just said we do everything we can to give this player, group of players more support. Um, so I think we're in for a busy end of the window, I think. Um, do, something needs to happen. 
do you think there's a chance that we now see some panic buys and we spend well more or we, or we get more bodies in than we actually need? Because that SAR signing, if that does happen, it's come from French Journal, I think Fabrizio Milano yeah. tweeted about it not long ago. Yeah. Um, submitted a bid, 25 Very million euros. If that does happen, that is a good signing, good resale value, good age, good profile, physical pace, ticks a lot of boxes, maybe yes. better than Leon Bailey. Yeah, fine, fair enough. But I'm looking at that going, where does he fit in? Because we don't really play wingers. If we're playing a 4-3-3 and it's Bailey and Saar out wide, there's no room for Coutinho or Buendia. If we're playing a 4-2-3-1 with it's Bailey wide, uh, Saar the other side, Coutinho or Buendia as a 10, that leaves two in midfield. And we get overrun at the moment with three in midfield. So Ramsey will be dropped or McGinn gets dropped or Louise gets dropped and it's Kamara and somebody else. I think you probably need, still need another central midfielder or two. So the start we've had probably now leads us to be going, actually, we probably need another three or four bodies to have the squad that we wanted. Um, is there a chance of panic, panic stations, do you think, from the in- internally at the club? Um, I think the, the timing of this SAR stuff's coming out after a defeat is very, very interesting. Panic buying, I think you've, you forced a panic buy after you lose your £26 million defender. You had a, yeah, that's fair. I think half's fair, yeah, that's fine. Um, but further up the pitch, yeah. Yeah, this SARS this SARS has come out of nowhere, so um, very advanced as well. I could see a few a few out as well. Those those who didn't think who, who, who would head out. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know what we are at the moment. Like you say, we're, we're, we're what we're aiming towards. How the squad will look. Gerard did say yesterday. He said the squad could look well different come the end of the window as well. Um, it's constantly evolving all the time, but I'm not sure. I don't know. The, the players need to do more, much more. Last week against Everton. Papered over the cracks, really. Um, yeah. I think so. Um, it wasn't as good as we probably thought it was. It was just a win, buzzing off that, going into this game, a bit of momentum, and then getting stung again. Even even going a goal ahead. Very naive, man. What one ball it was. Court Villa mm. out to concede. And you're always gonna you ain't gonna win games doing do, doing stuff like that. So um yeah, personnel wise, the character I mentioned this before the game, character, you need big characters. Zahar was a big character for them today. Eber is a great player. Wants to get on the ball and make things happen. Villa didn't have, Villa didn't have none of that today, so mm. they're short in a lot of areas. And West Ham, I keep, 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 I keep going back to these next three fixtures. It's huge. Bolton was on, on Tuesday as well. A lot of focus on that one. Big, big, big couple of weeks for Villa. Big couple of weeks. This, Find out what the, is the, the minerals. Is a, sorry, Ash. This is the thing about the sacking the manager that I don't really get because. <sighs> I don't, I don't know. Us. I don't know anymore. It feels too early, but I, I also see us being on three points after the next three games anyway. So if, if you're going to sack him after six games, sack him now. Do you know what I mean? If we if we lose the next three and then you sack him, not as well change now. Too early for all that. Um, too early. It, it is too early because it can still be turned around, but I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing anything that makes me believe it will change. That's my problem with yes. it at this stage. The Everton game, yes, I, I don't think there was any delusions that we cracked it and that was an A-star performance and now we're, we're going to be set for the season. We did just about enough to get the, the three points over the line and that was a, a much-needed three points at the time um, to avoid all this kind of negativity. Social media is already uh, toxic at, at the moment and I do fear for you know what happens on Tuesday night and then Sunday next week against West Ham if, if things don't go our way. Um I said after Bournemouth, didn't I? Dean Smith had 10 games of a season before he was sacked. And it was a five-game losing spree. But, I mean, Villa could have a four-game losing spree at, at this rate with the next three if they go the way that people think they will on paper. Um, look, we could get something from West Ham 
Arsenal or Man City. You know, football is not as easy as just going, well, we'll lose that game and win that game. It, it doesn't work like that. Um, but Charlie, Charlie makes a good point there, Charlie. Outrun, out tackled, out fought all around the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And now, how, how many times have we said this stuff, though? I know, like, I know. It feels like it could be any manager in there or yeah. any players. And we all, we're always saying the same thing about Aston Villa. We're, like, we're like this cursed club that it's always the same thing. Um, no matter what we do, we'll, people are saying, like, get Pochettino in. And we could sign Pochettino and still finish 15th because that's what Aston Villa do. Nothing seems to change, no matter, no matter what changes we make. Um See, I, I stand by what I said against Bournemouth. I feel like Gerard's on thin ice and he's probably got 10 games or up until that international break for Qatar to, to work things out. Um, I want him to work it out because he's Aston Villa's manager. That's that's my viewpoint on it at the moment. He's currently the guy who wears the claret and blue tie on the touchline, so I have to yeah. give him my support as a fan because he's there. And, I, you know, what I say isn't going to make a difference. Yeah. Um, however naive that, that may be to some people that I'm just going to blindly back him. I'm not blindly backing him because I've got questions, I've got massive concerns whether it will work out, but while he's still there, I'll support him like I would a player on the pitch because they're representing our club, so I have to have to be on their side until it goes wrong. But I'm definitely, definitely concerned about what I'm seeing. And, you know, if we'd have lost today, but we were coming on this going, I know we hit the post and all that, or hit the bar by Bailey and we went ahead, but if we were saying, we fought to the very end and it was only that VIR call that, that changed the yeah. game in, in the last few minutes and, you know, Coutinho came on and made a difference and Kamal looks good in there and Cash bombed on and that good cross he put in, remember that? If we were saying things like that and we'd put a fight up for today and made it difficult, I would be a little bit more positive about it, but I can see us going into the next three and being absolutely pummeled by the, by the size that we face. In West Ham, Man City, and Arsenal, and then if we've got three points after six games, you're in the bottom three. It's just a totally different season then, and we're already writing it off. And that's not where I thought this season was going to be. I said in the pre-season thing, I wanted to be a bit more considerate this year and be more careful with predictions of saying, "Oh, yeah, we're going to finish top six, top eight. But I still thought this this squad should be good enough to finish top ten, just because of the talent that was on the pitch and the money that we've spent and the wage bill that we've got. I think it's the seventh highest wage bill which should equate to a top-half finish on paper at some point. Mm. So the fact that we're nowhere near it in the first three games are, are giving worrying signs to supporters. But it's just grim. It's already grim. And yeah. it, it's going to take another couple of big wins out of nowhere to, to change a lot of fans' minds, I think. If we beat Bolton, beat West Ham and nick something against Arsenal, it will be a very different mood again. But I just don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, Gerard, Gerard, assumption was right, really. It's... Big step forward last week and another big step backwards this week. So, yeah, the inconsistencies, he's drummed on about it for a while now and he starts seeing some, something um, something to be more optimistic about. We, yeah, it's just the same old story really, isn't it? Mm. What happens for Bolton now then? Do you make changes or do you go strong and try and get this squad scoring some goals and winning the game? Gerard said he'll go strong for that, strong as possible for that. There'll be a few changes in there, obviously. Um so yeah, big game. That one, like you say, sky cameras are there, and they could sense blood Bolton after the off the back of this. So yeah, potential banana skin that one. Give them what we've seen mm-hmm. today. I expect changes. Augustinson to make his debut. Olsen in goal perhaps, um, and a couple of changes. Archer, not sure what's happening with him. Yeah, uh, we'll see with that one. Um, we'll see what happens with him. He could he could head out. We'll see. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to chat to John for the second half of the podcast um, and get another fan's perspective on it. Um, before we do that, Ash, you're free to go whenever you like. I'm going to get a word from our sponsors, NordVPN. 
We've got a sponsor for the podcast, NordVPN, a sponsor in the next couple of shows. So if you don't know, a VPN helps secure your privacy, keeps your data safe if you're out and about using public Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or something like that. You can also change your location for where you're browsing from. So like when Ash was in Australia or France, he could change his location back to the UK and, and watch the UK version of Netflix and, and films. If you get that pesky pop-up saying this video clip is not available in your location, you can hop on your VPN to another part of the world and get around that problem. So you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to www.nordvpn.com forward slash claret and blue to get a huge discount off your nordvpn plan and four months free it's completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee you can find the link to our exclusive code in the description down below as if by magic john welcome to the Claret blue podcast um i'm probably going to be at risk of repeating the first 20 minutes or so of the show here by asking similar questions that i asked ash but i said i wanted a, a third opinion somebody else's uh, voice on here to, to say what they think so i'll start with the same question that i asked ash how do you feel about what you've seen tonight and in, in the first three games of the season what's your just kind of general feeling as a fan so far uh probably worried that's the the word i'd use um it's it's really difficult. Um, I think I'm more worried than angry or frustrated or whatever else I could be because we've been here for nine months now and we kind of had that, mm. not necessarily false hopes, it's only three games, but we knew what we were getting into with Gerard in terms of um, the project and everything that he was going to bring and the club were going to fully back him, which they have done. Uh, yet here we are, it's like nine months later and um, every single question that I had at the start of Gerard's um, tenure and afterwards, really, because we did start pretty well under him. Uh, I've got all of those questions still, and probably more. Um, mm. So yeah, that's that's why I'm worried. I don't know where it's gonna sort of. It almost seems like it's gonna have to fix itself because I don't see how you know. I'm almost asking myself, what are the problems? Because there's that many that seem to be there at the moment. Yeah, I think if you rewind back nine months, I think the sacking of Dean Smith was the right thing to do at, at the time. And, and when we got Gerard in, we had that good start. And ultimately, we've talked in the summer about, you know, just under Gerard, we finished ninth and all these kind of things. We've recruited well. It, it, we started to recruit well, I should say, at the start of the transfer window with Kamara, Carlos, Coutinho on a permanent, getting our signings done early and a lot of talk from the club on the inside about you know, wanting stuff done by pre-season and having a squad together and all these kind of things. Yeah. Um, then there's also quite no excuses that came from Gerard. I want no excuses this season. And I was fully on board with that. No excuses. I, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, yeah, well, we lost Michael B or Neil Critchley didn't go to Australia, Diago Carlos get injured, oh, where is me, blah, blah, blah. No excuses, because that's what the club told us. We want, we're we going to be on it this year. We want to push for top 10. We want to push for European football. Villa are a big club. That's where they should be. And they've lost two from three against a, a newly promoted side, which is can be a banana skin, certainly on the first home game of the season, uh, their first home game of the season, sorry. And then Palace, which should have been the kind of yardstick for have Villa improved because Palace finished above us. They've got a good little project going on there with Vieira, good squad, good ages. Um, if we could beat them today, I know that's only an isolated result, but it would show that Villa have come away to to kind of compete with that 10th, 11th, 12th place. Yeah. But everything that Villa didn't have today, Palace did have that fight and, the, and that passion amongst the, the players and it's good atmosphere at Palace to be fair, which even Villa Park doesn't even have the atmosphere that Palace has got. And I said to Ash, like, I can't sit here and look at Crystal Palace and go, I'm kind of jealous of them. That's not what I want to be feeling as a Villa fan. We should be far and away of sides of, 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 of people like Palace. No disrespect to them, but 
disrespectfully, we should be, with the wage bill we've got, a top eight, top nine club. And then we go and put in that performance against Palace and I'm concerned, I'm worried. Yeah. Bang on. I'm going back to this kind of no excuse thing as you mentioned, like the whole Michael Bill going no critchley. But Gerard's the manager. Like, yeah. what, I, I, that, that's what I've been confused with for nine months as well because I fully understand Michael Beale being his, his right-hand man and is influential and that, that's perfectly fine. But surely there comes to a point where they're your ideas, but I'm not trying to dig in too much, but it shouldn't should it matter that much at Premier League level. Which What are the Premier League manager leans on their right-hand man, should we say, that much to the point where he can't get his ideas across after nine months? Like mm. that's a that's alarming, surely. You're like just because Critchley's coming in, he might have missed a bit of Australia. That's two weeks. We've had nine months, and yeah, yeah. I can't see any, not even progression. I can't see where or what we're trying to do. And maybe that's because I'm not <laughs> great at watching football and how and what we're trying to do. If you go and say, but you know what I mean. Like someone said, that there's obviously things flying around. Like oh not necessarily as he lost the players or they're playing for him. That that sort of, that will come later down the line, I think, if things mm. don't get any better. But I'm kind of thinking, I don't think the players are like that because I think they do want to play under Gerrard, obviously, and you, everything that comes with Steven Gerrard. But I just don't really think that they fully understand what's, what's, what they've been asked to do. Um, or if it's not that, it's just simply they're not able to do it. So either way, mm. you've got a big problem. It's not a quick fix like, um, oh, we're not good at set pieces, <laughs> even though we're not at the moment. <laughs> but it's, it's not an isolated issue. We we don't know what uh, how to link play in the final third. We don't know how to defend set pieces. We're, why we're too t- uh, tight as a half today? Why is Ezra Concert putting out to right wing back? To, it's just, there's so many questions and I don't think it's hard. Like, what, what really can Gerard say after nine months and say, oh, this is why I'm... I'm scratching my head because as I sound sound worried, but I guess I am frustrated. I guess I am angry because it's been it's been a while now. It's coming up to twelve months almost. Um mm. that's what six games time will be twelve months. And I can't see any again, forget progression, forget forget player development. It's more I can't see the identity. I can't see what Jared says are oh, um this is how I want it to look and when we're getting there. And I I'm I'm I want that to work and I'm fully behind it, but so far we can't see that. And whether that's because Michael Beals left or not, I don't. To me, that's not as Jared says. It's not an excuse because no excuses, no excuses. And you, you, you've got a big team. You've got Gary McAllister. You've got. Well, we talk about a big team. It, you just mentioned set pieces. I don't know what Austin McFeed does. Set pieces no, are a joke. And I think we, it's almost. I don't, know, I don't know the last time we scored from one, and someone will point out, "Oh, you don't know the last time we scored from one." We obviously scored one against so and so, but we don't do enough from set pieces with some of the height we've got in our in our centre halves. Mings but, but rarely scores a goal. Uh, for example, can't the same. And defending them, awful. Some of the defending today, well, even from open play, is sloppy, horrific and poor. But set pieces, every time there's a set piece, whether it's a throw-in, a corner or a free kick, you think, we could you concede here. Yeah. Like, like, this is this is such a serious issue. Any set piece, I'm thinking, we could concede here. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a place where we should be after nine months of, of Steven Gerrard and what... Yeah. 18 months or so of, of Austin McPhee and it's not maybe it's not all down to him and I don't want to dig yeah, out a specific to... member yeah. of staff but what are we doing from set pieces at both ends of the pitch still at this point that we're, that we're so poor at the basics yeah we've got West Ham next as well and that's like the land of giants <laughs> oh, we'll lose the next three games but we might as well record the, the next three podcasts with West Ham and City and Arsenal today and say we lost them all oh, are you there already <laughs> well, will we win any of those games 
<laughs> never say never. Have you seen um, enough to, today to think we'll go no, and beat West Ham next we've week at home? And we've limped over the line against Everton. Um, and we've been battered by Palace. It's, there's no positives and football can change quickly. We know that. But obviously, that, I think Arsenal, Man City are tough games, even if we're on top form. So you can't expect to win anything. But what you do want to see is an identity, a, a something that you can pin your hat on and say, that's a steering Gerrard team and this is what we're working towards. This is why we're trying to sign a Shmeli Sarr because no one knows. It's, it, <laughs> I, I, it's confusing. That's the point. And if we're confused watching the games and whatnot and the players are being loaded with all the information, presumably, and they don't know what they're doing or how it's supposed to be looking, you know. Yeah. I know, shrug your shoulders here. What what more can you say? And this is difficult for a podcast where we're supposed to be talking about it. I don't know what to say anymore. And it, I'm already at that stage where I just think, I've, like you say, I've got more questions than answers every single week. Yeah, we just talked about the we just talked about the, the SAR stuff with Ash before you came yeah. on, and it's a good player, it, 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 good serious pace, physical, good age, good good um um transfer fee if it's 25 million pounds or whatever that's decent i think he's worth more than that and can can be worth more than that but for large parts we don't play wingers so unless it's a total overhaul of, of ripping everything up that's Wait, fair you know that's all well and good but we're three games into the season everyone i don't want to break it to you but if we're going to rip up the the, uh, the process and start playing wingers we should have done that back in june not now i'm not i'm not gonna lie I d- are we trying to play wings or are we not i, I don't know i don't I know, know. Gerard at Rangers was the inside forwards, the number 10s and whatnot. But I think he come away from that a little bit because obviously we had Bailey when he was playing out of form and we were using the width. Um, so I don't know, to be honest. I, I couldn't tell you if it's a departure from what Gerard wants to do and whatnot. To me, it seems like a um, decent value, actually. I think in the cold light of day, it's difficult because we've just been done by Palace and it's hard to find positives from anything. But I do actually think it's a good piece of business. It's about 20 million quid for a player that we know can perform in the Premier League. Um you can get double figures in terms of contributions for a Watford team that have been relegated twice. He's a good player. And it gives you something that, although we have it in Bailey, maybe not consistently. So I do think it's a good piece of business, but I'm, yeah, I'm I'm lost in terms of how he fits in. Not necessarily lost, but I'm more, it, that 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 could be anyone. And I'm still confused about what our identity is and how they fit in it. It's not just because it's a winger for me. I think the Gerard and wings thing sometimes gets blown up a little bit like, um, mm. Because of the whole number 10s at range and stuff, I, I think it's more, what is that midfielder trying to do? Are we playing with high wing backs or not? Why are they tucking inside? Are they, you know, why are we playing a high line when Conte can't run behind? Like, yeah. I, I think if you're playing a 4-2-3-1 and it's Watkins up front, Saar and, yeah. and Bailey wide, Brendia is a 10, Kamara is one of the sixes, I think you need another midfielder because I don't think McGinn, Ramsey or Louise can play as the other six. So that means we're going to have to make another midfielder signing, a, a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Unless Nakamba or Ira Burnham's going to start playing, which I don't see happening. Yeah. If you're still playing 4-3-3 and you play Saar and Bailey, there's no room for Brendia or Coutinho, so that's not going to happen. Danning's is sat on the bench, Cameron Archer's getting no minutes, so what was the point of keeping him around? He might as well have gone out on loan at this point. Um, there was this stage at the very start where you, not that we had an identity or, or a system or anything, but the wing backs did push high. There was these little small, shorter passing sections where the players are kind of clustered together in triangles and you'd have a bit of movement between them and then running down the channel by Watkins and then somebody overlaps. And you kind of thought, yeah. we're passing yeah. a bit different. I thought, I think we talked about it when Gerald first came, there was a lot less line ball, play, a bit yeah. more, bit more patterns of play, yeah. That was about three or four games, and we stopped doing that. 
we started going long ball again. And since then, we don't really have any kind of system. Today, the goal I thought was good. Ming's long ball up, barely a little flick on, Watkins scores. And he can score in a flash in a moment like that. That's all well and good. But the other 89 minutes, you kind of sit there and go, well, I don't know what we're trying now. We're putting yeah. 30 crosses into the box when we're not even good in, good in the air. We don't play yeah. for set pieces because we're not good at those. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of times I just I wonder, what are we trying to do here? Yeah, I think when you kind of mentioned that when Gerard first came in, I think uh, we were saying earlier, like, when do we ever look particularly secure away from home? We don't. But then I thought, well, we did when we played Palace nine mm-hmm. months ago, Gerard's second game. Yeah. And at least then we might have had an identity straight away because it's his first match or second match thing it was. Um, but we were solid in, you know, although we considered late on, I think. But we, we turned it up in the 90th minute and it was like, oh, okay. When was the last time, you know, we can go to a place like Salas Park and, and since we got promoted anyway and grind out a good win like that and it was Gerard's second game and it felt different um, and then obviously we know what happened after that inconsistent form and, but we just seem to have creeped back into ourselves into the bad form and I, I almost feel like even if we go on a good run of form now and we win or we, you know I mean it's difficult because the game's coming up but after that you've got Southampton, Leicester I think Leeds, Forest those games after them but if you get into good form then I'm, then I'm also thinking well we did this last year and then we lose five, and then we and then we finish fourteenth. So mm. you either back him, and you give him, you know, a, a, I think the World Cup break is quite significant to be honest. So I think you, you give him that in terms of all right, we need to show that consistent form. But then beyond then, if we're not showing that form, we're going to be yeah. How many points are we going to have on the board then? We're going to be in relegation fight by the World Cup, you know, because then that's not. That's not being dramatic, is it? Like, say if I'm wrong, but we have no identity. Yes, we beat Everton, but we shouldn't have been, you know, in all honesty, from the end, Mings and Chambers bailed us out. Um, we've got Dunbar Palace and Dunbar Bournemouth. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got Arsenal, West Ham and City coming up. I do think West Ham, I, I recall that almost like the asset test rules because we always get done by West Ham, whether it's because our players uh, can't match up against West Ham. We, we, for, for whatever reason, we don't... Um, suit playing them and I think that that's the sort of asset test because I don't think they've had the best start of the season they'll have a Thursday night game before then as well in the um, conference mm-hmm. league so for me that's the the kind of test like where are we if if we don't perform in that game I'm I'm worried now but I'm seriously worried if we don't show up for that one and get anything out of the game yeah, the mood will certainly be different if we. I, mean, I expect us to beat Bolton still. Uh, Saying to Ash before you came on, if we do lose that, that is a nightmare scenario. You, you've got to go That's and win there. The League One. Yeah, it's Tuesday night. So if you beat them and you beat West Ham, I'm always I'm always just writing Arsenal and Man City off. Arsenal winning four 0 against Bournemouth at the moment. Yeah. They've looked great this season. Man City, and Man City. So if you yeah. beat Bolton and beat West Ham, write those two off, then come back to Leicester, Southampton, Leeds, Forest, and you do well in that little cluster as well. I'm all well and good sticking with Gerard and agreeing with the project and trying to yeah, yeah. get back on track yeah. with where we are. But if you lose to West Ham, you lose those two, and then you come back and lose to Leicester, draw against Southampton, lose to Forest or something like that, and we're still on three or four points come well, we need to end of October. Them. Pointless. You might as well get rid of him at that point. You, you need to put results together because, as you say, although games aren't write-offs, let's be honest, we're, we're not going into the Arsenal-Man City games looking to win, are we? Um, so if you can... If you could almost write the results down as how we expect it to go, um, then those Southampton, that Southampton game, sorry, in the um, Leicester after that, Leicester, sorry, Leicester then Southampton, Leicester away and then Friday night against Southampton home. Those two yeah. were massive games. Leicester in a horrible, they've had horrible starts to the season with everything that's going on there. 
Um, and then Southampton, I don't think, are a brilliant team. So <laughs> there you go. You can almost excuse games against Arsenal and Man City. I don't think you can excuse West Ham because of the, we're trying to get into Europe. We're trying to get the top 10. You can't just write off games against um, West Ham at home. So that's not a write-off at all. But then two games after that, it's okay. Can we just compete and show something? But then after then, you've got to get results. It's a results business. And at the end of the day, if we're if we've won one game in six or whatever it might be since then, it's hmm. it's like quite literally results business. We actually do need to start winning football matches in because we're going to fall behind. And I don't want to say it, but it's we know how fast things can change. And it's a problem then if you're not picking up results hmm. before November. We, we know what happened last season. We, would, we won games last season. We beat Everton. We beat Man United away. I don't think at the moment we're even... I say I know we beat Everton, but I, I've got about that. The Everton team's poor as well. They don't even have a striker. Um, mm. Yeah, just really frustrating. And by the way, it's not. I don't think this is fans ranting. I think Gerard feels this. The players will feel it as well. It's all, mm. you know, it's not a. We're not disjoining for anything. I think everyone's so frustrated with it and fed up already. Um, it's kind of an effort to get back and get back to where we need to be. But yeah, it, things need to happen on the pitch, though. Ultimately, don't they? So. What have you made of Gerard's comments in games this season? Ash asked me about this maybe um, in the week, I think it was, saying oh, he's got a little bit spiky over Brendier and stuff like that. And how how do I assess it? How do you yeah. think of, or what do you think, sorry, of Gerard's press conferences and post match interviews and stuff these days? Yeah. To me, I'm not actually particularly bothered about how um, how the press conferences go. I think Gerard's his own man. He- he speaks to the players on a daily basis. I don't particularly think it, ma- it matters how he conducts himself in front of the media and what he says. I think he's asked about me at every single press conference. Um, and valid. It's valid too. And I think he just mm-hmm. he bit a little bit. But um, that's fine. Even with the Toraming stuff to me, I think, you know, again, he's been asked that a million times. He's going to bite at some point. It's only natural. That was after we uh, lost to the Bournemouth. And he didn't really bite. All he said is, you know, look, look into my eyes and you, you win your place back or whatever. Fine. You know, go do it. Pro footballers should be able to um, stand up and go again, you know. Um, so I'm not particularly bothered. But for me, it's more if what he's saying to the players isn't working and that's reflecting on the pitch, then that that's the problem. It's not how he says it in press conferences. Like I remember like, I don't know, managers like Nuno, for example, when, it, when, when he was doing well at Wolves, he barely spoke to the media. He did like two word answers. But then what he told the players, yeah. they were doing it on the pitch. That's fine. That's what you want. You know, it was obviously as us, us people in the media, we want... Um, we want answers that are good and juicy and that we can work with. But ultimately, I don't think we can dig too much into that. Into that, sorry, it's as I say, what matters is what happens on the pitch. So that's all I'm judging it on. I don't really, I'm not too fussed what Jared says um, in the media. Do the speaking on the pitch, but unfortunately, we're not really doing that. So <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that's the thing. I was going to say exactly the same. You know, do it on the pitch. That's the main thing. Um, I've seen a few comments. Of a few I will address. Somebody in the chat said. If you're not, what's the point of having a chat if you're not going to address the comments? There's that many coming in. It's difficult to do so, but I am kind of got one eye on it and I'll try and feed those opinions back into whoever I'm speaking to. Also, there's a few comments there saying I was deluded. I don't think I could be any more negative about, about the next few games. I think we're in serious trouble. I don't think we're going to get relegated, but we're in serious trouble. I don't know what more I can say. Uh, if I'm that set on here and I look deludedly positive, then I don't know what more else I can do, to be honest. Um, yeah, there was a comment about... Um, how much we've spent and stuff like that. And how we're yeah. kind of throwing away what we were doing under under Dean Smith and bringing youth through and sell on value and all these kind of things for kind of quick wins now. Sounds like Luca Dean, uh, Coutinho, players that are a bit older on big money to come in and do yeah. the business now. The problem with that is they're not, they're not doing the business. 
and that well, is a, that is again a disappointment away from what we were trying to build as a club in terms of bringing these players at youth level and blood them in and everyone uh, under 21s and youth and the first team are all playing the same way and stuff like that that we now go and get Coutinho and Dean on big wages as two examples Danny Ings as well to a lesser extent even though um, mm. Smith was still here when that was done and you kind of think well that's all well and good if they go and win now but they're not winning now and yeah. I mean that in in both senses they're not physically winning out on the pitch either but, and they're not doing enough to, to make me think that this club can go on to be successful with that strategy um, yeah. and again that's a disappointment that's a worry because you're then going oh well Gerard's still got 10 days to go and spend in the transfer window and it's thinking well he's not spent great in the transfer window so I don't know whether that's a good thing yeah exactly that's, I think that, and that's a big problem because we always say like you, you kind of got two routes to get to Europe and one of them is difficult well both of them are pretty difficult sorry but you've got the way that almost like Wolves and Wolves are a bit of an exception because they have different methods but um, you go you go down the sort of un, untried and tested players like a Pedro Neto or you know other players that come from Portugal or different players that come from Italy and like West Ham did it really well with Suchek and Kufal or do you do it how Everton did it and you spend a lot of money on players ready to do it now but then when they don't work that's a lot of money on a player's contract and it almost becomes a point of when, if you drop Luca Dean, for example, or you, I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying to do that, but if you were to do that, you can't tell me that's going to be taken positively because Luca Dean's come to Villa for one reason, that's to play every week. Um, it's mm. a contribute, you know, and I'm not picking Luca Dean out, that's just one example cause, because it's the example, yeah, yeah. Um, but there must doesn't seem to be positive there of dropping Luca Dean to bring in another player who probably isn't good as Luca Dean, so you just need those players to step up and it's difficult. Um, I think like, for example, the Kamara deal was really good. I think the Carlos deal was really good as well, although he's a, mm. an older player, but you could see what leadership qualities he has and you can, and you can, you know, I think the Coutinho one was always going to be a, a bit of a risk and it paid off for the first couple of games or 10 games or so. And now he's almost a bit of a shadow of himself. Luckily enough, we have Amir Buendir. Um but Yeah, recruitment's got to be looked at. I think the main thing for me though, and I, not to avoid the question, but the main thing for me is we don't have an identity. We don't, the players don't, and I don't think the fans know exactly what we're trying to do on the pitch. And if they do know what they're doing on the pitch, it's not working. And we're not mm. going to be getting, we're not going to be getting enough wins to finish above 14th. Mm. It's simple as that for me. And whether it's, that's recruitment or whatever, but to me, we've bought the players that Gerald wants. He wanted, he wanted Dane, he wanted Coutinho, he wanted um, the players he bought in the summer as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, obviously we've been a bit lucky with Carlos, but ultimately it's just, yeah, I there's, can't fathom. There should still be enough in that squad to be able to finish. I still think 10th place isn't unachievable with the players we've got on oh. paper. And I know people. this is where people say I'm deluded because Danny Ings has scored 20 goals before, Watkins has scored 14 or 15, Bailey was 30 million, did well in Bundesliga, Wendy, I've repeat myself a million times. These yeah. players with the right coaches should be finishing at least 10th. I don't know how many more times I can say it. It's not happening at the moment. So what is that because of? Players out of form, players' injuries and stuff that you can't really help. Coach is not good enough. Manage not good enough. It's a combination of one or any of those or all of those options just I've said there. Until those things start clicking into gear and we put wins together, we won't finish above 14th, 15th. And that is a serious concern because we were supposed to be bridging the gap to Europe as soon as possible. Talk of Europe is silly. Talk of top eight is probably silly, and talk of top ten is probably silly at the moment where we are after the after today's game. Um, but it should be doing better than it is. 
I can't put it any plainer, any more simple than that. It should be doing far better than it is. And whoever has to get that to work, whether it's a new manager, whether it's another few more players, or whether it's the coaches getting the best out of what is already there, they need to pull their finger out and sort it because finishing anything less than 10th is unacceptable at this stage with the money that we've spent. Bang on you. I can't can't really say anything more (laughs) to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it's right. I mean... The squad is like every time we sign a player, it's never, oh, I don't know about that. It's always, oh, that's a brilliant sign and he improves us tenfold. But then they don't. And is that the player's fault all the time? I don't, I don't think it is. It, we don't have, we, I keep saying, we don't have an identity. I, I can't see what we're trying to do on the pitch against Crystal Palace, against Bournemouth, it, even against Everton, you know, the, like the two strikers business. It's like, ugh, I don't know. I, yeah, kind of losing words as we want to. Yeah, just we're just going to. It, it's difficult for us to. Uh, no, I would never complain about doing this kind of, the kind of work as a, as a career, but it's difficult for us when Villa are rubbish because we've got it. This will be the narrative until Villa start winning games. And if Villa don't, my own mental health and my own sanity, if Villa don't start winning games, this is going to be a difficult job and a difficult podcast and a difficult time to navigate for the next week, uh, a few weeks or months ahead. Um, Villa need to do well for us to do well and for us to have a nice podcast and have a good chat. I don't want to be doing podcasts like this. I don't want to be coming on here slagging off players and management and coaches and staff and CEOs and transfer budgets or whatever it is. I just want to come on here after Villa have won a game and have a laugh. That's what the podcast is supposed to be. I don't want to be sitting here moaning about players and tactics and stuff like that. We were supposed to be better. I don't know how many more ways I can say it. We've said the same thing last season and last summer. That year... When we signed Buendia and Bailing and Ings, that was supposed to be the year that we bridged the gap into the top half. And this year was supposed to be the year that we bridged the gap into the top half and trying to get into Europe as soon as possible. Because if we don't get into Europe, players like Kamara don't join Aston Villa. And we go back to square one and we're struggling down the bottom end of the Premier League and then you get relegated again. That's what happens to clubs these days. If you don't spend right, you get relegated. So Villa need to pull the finger out and sort it. I don't. I, I, I'm trying to be as honest as I can. I don't. I'm, I don't think it's time to sack Gerard yet, but he's got to be doing better with the squad that he's got. And recruitment in the next ten days or so has to be spot on. If we go and sign another three or four players and we suddenly pull our finger out and look better, I just started watching the Arsenal documentary on Amazon, and I'm at the stage where they lost the first three games and all their fans are coming on at the end, going, "Oh, I'll test her out. What are we doing? Where's the identity? What's the plan?" I want I want to look as stupid as they did last year. I want to look back on this in three months' time and go, we were overreacting, weren't we, after uh, after that game against Crystal Palace? Look at us, look at us two idiots getting wound up over that. I want to be the idiot. I want to look like the one who's been stupid. But at the moment, this is how I feel. This is how a lot of people feel. And until Villa start winning games, this is how the podcast is going to be, unfortunately. I don't know how much more of that I can take, <laughs> to be honest. No, uh... Yeah, they, uh, I, and I don't think there's a quick fix, not not to make things even worse, but I don't think this is a thing that can just get fixed overnight. We've had a pre-season, we've, we've, we've had all of the preparation that we can have, and we're exactly in the same position as where we were, in my opinion. Um, mm. that potentially that's no excuses, worse. remember? <laughs> no excuses. You can't just tread water either, if it, not in terms of league position, but just the players as well. If you're there, it just gets stale. You just say, there's mm. only so many times you can sell a project to a player. Like, for example, Ishmael Isai apparently... Um, Palace won him as well. Do you think Ismaili Sarr is thinking, oh, I'll go to Villa? I'd almost be questioning it if he comes to us. Why are you coming to us? <laughs> in, not in, in a weird way, but in that Palace team have got something going. You, what's what's seven today? I want to know what we're saying to Ismaili Sarr to convince him to sign for us because at this point, 
you can't see. Money, mate. <laughs> Money. What, what do you mean selling a project to players these days? There's only so much of that I can believe. How, how does that, how's that verified? You know, how, how can we sell that project when we've had nine months of being, it's like treading water and, oh, what's happened with the management? Where are we going from here? You, no one knows. That's the point that I'm trying to make. It's, it's, yeah, it's I'll just, uh, yeah. That's why I'm worried I'll, because there's no, this isn't, again, this isn't just we're bad at set pieces. There's the proper problems there. The need I, don't, I don't think I don't think there is a project to sell. I think when we are on these transfer recruitment meetings and, and Gerard and Perslow or Langer go out to France to sit down with Bubu Kamara and sell a project. The project, yeah, is get back into Europe as soon as possible. But you know, whether how long that's going to take, I don't know whether they mentioned that bit, whether it's going to take five years to get back there, whether it's this season. But the main thing is we offer them a massive pay packet and a big signing on bonus and stuff like that. I imagine, yeah, if it was a, a straight shootout between Fassar for Palace and us. Palace are in a better place, still in London for him, down in Watford. Palace are probably a better proposition on the pitch at the moment, but I bet we blow Palace's wages straight out of the water. So Aston Villa it is. Yeah. I mean, I swear I, I can't bash it too much because you've got to pay money to get good players, but yeah. I guess if you don't, you don't get the players because it's like of the position that we're in. We need to make our own, not look, that's the wrong thing, but we need to help ourselves and we haven't helped ourselves over the last 12 months possibly longer now um, yeah yeah let's just breathe alright let's all calm down a little bit um, the way that Villa back that up now is to go and beat Bolton on Tuesday night and beat West Ham <laughs> at Villa Park next week that's all they got to do you're only as good as your last game aren't you and we've lost today so go out and win the next one if you can do that consistently and keep winning games fine I'll make me look stupid Stephen Gerrard please I beg you make me look stupid I'm more than happy to be the clown on that podcast who's talking rubbish. Make me what look stupid because at the moment what, I'm concerned. What do you think of that Bolton game? Is that a good time to, to play Bolton? <sighs> well, they're leaving. Right, so we should be beating them. But yeah, I'd rather that wasn't happening, to be honest, and we were just sticking to the Premier League and, and yeah. trying to have a week's preparation until the next game. I thought I with this one, to be honest, not to go back into Crystal Palace, but we played Saturday and they played Monday against Liverpool. So maybe the extra day's rest for us will have gone some way today to help him. That didn't happen. Um, yeah. So you've got to beat Bolton in any way possible. But that should be a confidence booster to go there and play and score a few goals. That's how it should be. And then you take that to West Ham. My only thing about that, and it sounds obvious, and I'm bringing out a negative and a positive, but even if we do string a result, <laughs> if, we, if we beat Bolton and get something <laughs> out of West Ham, the point being is that we need to see what we're trying to do. That's Because we're not getting... Anywhere in the so anywhere, we're not getting enough wins to get into the top ten. Uh, if we're winning games here and there, we need to have an identity, mm. and this is how we're going to win games. And oh, that's Villa style, and that's why they're in tenth or seventh or whatever. That's not going to happen just because you win a couple of games and you're on a bit of confidence, and whatever. You need to see it over a long period of time, and that only happens if we have um, say that identity and one that works. Mm. So you have to give Gerald time. Then, is your point? Well, that, it, that, that's the decision, isn't it? It's one that we don't make. It's one that, you know. Yeah. Okay, let's end it. I thought this was going to be a little bit quicker than it was, but we've gone down several rabbit holes. Um, I've tried to put, you know, I've tried to be a little bit balanced. I'm trying to put comments over from not flashing them up, but I'm reading what people are saying and trying to put different um, people's opinions across, you know, playing devil's advocate to certain points. Um, but yeah, like I said, concerned, worried. Um, but again, like I said, after Bournemouth, if we beat Everton, I'll feel better. If we beat Bolton and West Ham next week, I'll feel a lot better. 
Um, I don't anymore. But uh, you wouldn't. No, I, I feel better that we've won a game on a Saturday night, but I'm still questioning what we shouldn't right, have yeah. Why have we, you know, that whole point again about we have not, in my opinion, we don't show that identity. And I don't know how we're then going to translate that win into the next one and the next one and how we're going to keep that player contained, et cetera, et cetera. It's more of a, it's a guessing game for me with every given match there. Mm. I don't think anyone's playing Villa thinking, oh, this is what we have to stop or this is the threat that they pose and this is how they're going to defend and how they play. I think it's more of a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just It's just random, isn't it? <laughs> if Villa are good or not, it's random. I don't know it's just what happens on the day. Yeah. They're all questions and everything. It's what Gerard has to look fix. at it and go, the reason we won that game is because this player played well and this was the, the, the system that we went for and you know, we we uh, targeted this player on set pieces or whatever. It was just, oh, we won today because we... You know, Sneaked a goal out of nowhere, and that's like, it. Why, we'll move why, on to the next one. Like, why did we beat Everton? In my opinion, we beat Everton like because we're relatively equal at the moment, and I don't think that's a good thing. Uh, we beat him because we had one a uh, couple of opportunities, but the one Watkins pulls it back, we almost make a scuff of it, and Danny Ings does a good finish. And then when Deer comes off the bench to win the game, and then we should have blown it. That's not convincing. <laughs> yeah, <against laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know what? You know what's mad that I'm so caught up in Crystal Palace. I forgot that we probably should have blown the Everton game. And if we had, yeah. we did not got it. We'd, we you know, got one point from that, or gone on to lose it. God forbid. That would be a horrific start to the season. The performances that haven't been good, regardless of that three points against Everton. We had a good couple of spells, but that was it. I saw someone earlier on Twitter. I am trying to wrap up here, say that we're a moments team and that we rely on like a moment here and there, a moment of magic to score a goal or a little performance to, to win a game. And that's not good enough going forward to be consistent. You can't win games and get into Europe on moments. You've got to be consistent with a style of play and an identity and take your time to get up there. Villa don't look like they're doing that anytime soon. But like I said 10 minutes ago, make me look stupid. Make me look like the idiot yes. on that podcast who doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm more than happy to play that part. If we Villa want to put a few wins wrong. together, prove me wrong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't want to be sitting here in six weeks' time going, oh, we've sacked Gerard. We should have done it five weeks ago because we knew what was happening. I don't want that to happen. I want him to get it right, but yeah, concerned. Um, we'll call it a day there. Thanks to, to Ash Priest for joining us earlier. He's hopefully on his way home now to um, get himself back to Birmingham. John, thanks for your time for jumping on as well. Um, apologies if this has been a, too much rant or a ramble. I don't know where we've really gone or what we've actually said, to be honest. Um, it all feels like a bit of a a fever dream of the therapy session. Um, but yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed uh, us guys chatting about the Villa. I've tried to put as many points across from people as I can. Um, but yeah, loads of comments coming through, loads of people watching. So appreciate that as always. We'll be back on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning to talk about Bolton. And hopefully if, if we're losing that game, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing a podcast if we lose. Um, so we'll see you Tuesday night or Wednesday morning and then we'll turn our attention to West Ham next weekend. Um, thank you very much for watching. Up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.